How are we doing? Yeah, so excited to be here. Let's try it again. How are we doing? All right, yeah, and there's always resistant people, and I would be one of those if I was seated in your seat right now. Hey, I want to remind you, again, we have free donuts. We've got buy one, get one free at 8 o'clock, and Thursday, I will buy your coffee for you. So whatever needs to happen, you know, I love that you're here at 9.30. If this is the service that works for you, great, but as you can see, things are filling up, and we want to just try to make sure we make room for other people who want to be a part of what God is doing here as well. With that being said, um, many of you are going to be like me, and you're going to sit here today, and you're going to say, I've heard this before. And it's very easy uh, when we hear something to tune it out, because you're like, yeah, I've heard that. But I want to remind you that it's information plus application that equals transformation. So it's not as much, have I heard this, for those of you who've been here for a little while, the question is, am I applying this? Because here's what I've heard a lot in my life. Dan, love your wife. Ah, heard it before. That's not the issue. Are you applying it? Because when I apply it, it actually enhances relationship. And that's what we're talking about as we talk about today's conversation. But I want to remind you, our vision is, is like Jeff talked about, is to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. This is why we do these playground stuff. It's why we're at an indoor playground. It's why we're talking about some of the things that God has allowed us to do because we want to make sure we give every person an opportunity to have a saving understanding of who Jesus is in the next, for the next life as well as for this one. But it doesn't just end there. We're here to also be and make disciples of Jesus. So there's a part that I play on this journey called faith, that God has you on a journey, has me on a journey to become more and more like Jesus. But also, it's not to end with us. How are we helping other people on their journey? That's what we're saying. And so as Americans, we know that there uh, needs to be some linear thought. Like, well, what do I do? How do I do that? So we have a discipleship process that we came up with that is accept, belong, contribute, and disciple. And so over the last few weeks, we've been trying to unpack that. What does it look like to accept? What does it look like to belong? And today we're gonna talk about contribute. Now before we do, uh, I, I want to uh, let you know that two weeks from today, we're gonna jump into the waters of a series called God and Sexuality. Because here's what I know, it is the topic of our culture today. And so I want to encourage you to invite friends and to be a part of this conversation. I also want to warn you that it is going to be PG-13. So if you've got kids you know, or other folks, we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about this in our time and our age. Now, for those of you who are followers of Christ, talking about what God has to say about this is the easy part. The hard part is how do we respond to our kids who are struggling, who are going through things? How do we respond to coworkers? How do we respond to the places that we shop? How do we respond to our neighborhood? How do we respond on social media? How do we respond? What does God actually have to say about that? And so I wanna encourage you, because it's gonna be challenging, and some of you, I'm challenging you to pray for me, because uh, people think I'm an idiot when I walk into stuff like this, but if you've been here very long, we don't shy away from this. We, we, we can't. Because Jesus has called us to say, look, what does it mean to, to understand what he has to say about this and why? The why is just as important as the what as we go through this. 
And so I wanna do that for your sake, I wanna do it for my sake, I wanna do it for all of our sake and our friends' sake because of the vision that God has called us to be and do here. So two weeks from today is when we kick off that series. So I just wanna make sure that you have a heads up on that and please, please, please be praying for me. So as we go through today, I wanna remind you that we have been the recipients of other people's contributions. If you think about it for a second, try to identify who has made a difference in your life. We are not uh, pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps kind of people. That's just not true. Somebody has made an impact. Somebody has contributed to your life. And as you process who that, may, that person may be, it could have been a coach, could have been a parent, could have been a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, a teacher, who's contributed to your life. Because I wanna challenge us and encourage us that when other people take time and resources, doesn't it feel great and feel incredibly meaningful? And yet what's interesting is that we find ourselves solely, I don't know what the best way to put this, uh, desiring the reception of those things versus being that for somebody else. Uh, let me say it this way. Significance comes from contribution, yet we seem to focus more on consumption. We live in a culture that pushes, it's all about you, have it your way. Uh, everything should be focused around what you're receiving. And yet you and I know that that actually isn't the greatest gift. It's actually when we start giving. Uh, we look at our society and, and we think, hey, if a person has a lot of stuff, a lot of material possessions, they have significance. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. Or a person has great title or power or influence, and we're like, that person has great significance. There's nothing wrong with having that. Or a person uh, has great talents and abilities in whatever field that they may be in, which is why we kind of look at the, at the movie stars and the rock stars and the sports you know, figures and be like, man, they are significant. Or we see people with great popularity, and we're like, they must be significant and again, there's nothing wrong with having any of those things, and yet that's what our culture pushes as what you're trying to shoot for and aim for, and yet God has something else in mind. He has something different. And in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, he kind of introduces this, because we're not the first culture of people to think this is the right way. It says, then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. Okay. Moms, dads, we love our kids and we only want what's best for them. Not only that, but we actually want something better for them than even what we've received. So here's the mom who recognizes Jesus is very influential. Jesus is very powerful. Jesus is healing people, and Jesus keeps talking about a kingdom that he's going to be ushering and bringing in. So here comes mom looking and seeing an opportunity. I want my boys to be part of that, and I want them to sit on the right and to the left. Now, the humorous part, even in that culture, is it's not like mom came by herself. You know, uh, she came with the two boys, and they ain't boys. They men. And you're looking at it like, really? I mean, you thought helicopter moms were bad today. I mean, this is like, okay, we're taking charge. And so she goes and asks this amazing question. But Jesus answered by saying to them, that's how you know that the other two are standing there, you don't know what you're asking. 
Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? And naively, they say, oh, yes, of course, whatever it takes, we are able. And Jesus told them, all right, in reality, you will. You're going to drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or who's going to sit on my left. My father's prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Now, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Why? Could it be they were jealous? Could it be they were mad they didn't think of it first? That why weren't we doing that? Could it be they were just angry at James and John for elevating themselves ahead of the group? Whatever it may be that got them indignant, Jesus says, teaching opportunity, learning moment, gather around team, let's get together. And he says, he calls them together. So now he calls all of his disciples together and says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over the people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first must become a slave. For even the Son of Man, Jesus himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's interesting because if you study the greatest business minds of our day, you will see that this is actually becoming more and more of an emphasis. You'll you'll see, hey, you know this top-down kind of leadership and lordship over your business and insight, you know, and this, 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 this influence you have? Do you recognize the greatest is actually to put the needs of your employees ahead of the needs of the company yourself? And they're finding that Jesus' truth actually resonates across even our culture today. You see, Jesus is the greatest contributor who ever lived. Time, talents, treasures, there's nobody that matches because he also represented the greatest influencer, the greatest person of power, the greatest person who could have been the greatest rock star of all time. And he says, this is actually what greatness looks like. Now, here's, here's what is new. For those of you who know where I'm going with this, and you know that I'm going to be asking you to contribute, to serve, I want you to answer this question. Why? Why do you serve? Why should you serve? Why do you get to serve? Because the why is far more important than what you serve or how you serve. Here's what I mean. Is that many of us have grown up with this idea that serving is a have to instead of a get to. Or serving is a way for me to solely make myself right before God. Meaning, I've been taught in my own home that if I do the right things and I serve the right way, I get affirmed. And if I don't, I might be reprimanded or punished and maybe rightly so in our households. But in the eyes of God, that is not the right motivation. See, the motivation has to come out of first recognizing what Jesus has done for us. Think about it in your own life this way. The people that I asked you to try to think of who made an impact in your life, who's contributed to your life that you could actually tell other people about, what if today you got a text from that individual, if they're still alive today, you got a text from that individual who said, I need your help. How excited would you be? How, how, how many of you would actually throw whatever you have planned aside because that person did so much, whatever they did, to influence and impact your life that you're honored 
You're motivated, not because of a have to. You're like, yes, I finally get to because this person gave me so much whether they realized it or not. They sacrificed so much. They gave up so much of their time. They, they, they spent time mentoring me. They spent time coming alongside. When I was at my low point, they were there. And now that they are in need or there's an opportunity to serve them, it becomes a yes. And I rearrange my schedule. I prioritize them because I get to. You see the difference? When it's a get to, it's something that's motivating and you grow. When it's a have to, it can quickly become a burden that you bear. Which is why I love what Jeff said. The whole idea of cheerfulness is an important piece. You can have two people who are serving the exact same way, but their motivation is different and the motivation is the key. And so I want you to process that as we go through this. See, to be and make disciples, we get to contribute time, talents, and treasures. We get to do this because of what Jesus has done for us, what he did on the cross for us, what he gave to us, what he regularly gives us, how he regularly comes alongside us while he's there with us in the midst of our down and tired and broken society or world that we live in or I'm existing in, he is there. And as a response, I get to. And when my heart and motivation is on what he has done, boy, serving is such a joy. In fact, take a look at this chart. Uh, This is something we've shown every single week here. This idea, top left, be, top right, make, bottom left, it's follow, bottom right is to lead. And we've gone through accept, belong, and here we are, contribute. What does it mean to contribute in our discipleship process? What does that look like? And there's three words that we're going to kind of unpack very briefly, and that is to serve, to give, and to equip. It starts with us in our discipleship process, and then it continues as we look at other people. So to serve simply is to volunteer to serve others in Christ's church, in our church, community, and our world. This is the part we play as part of the body. In fact, this last week, I was in uh, Nashville. Uh, for most of us, we got a conference, and we went to a little barbecue place with a couple of the staff members. And while I was there, I was talking about this week's lesson, and Zach was on the trip with us. Now, Zach is our young adults lead, and he also helps lead life groups. And he got so excited, and he kind of shows me this cup. And I saw it, so I took a quick picture. And I was like, take a look at Zach. So he's a little excited. He's like, hey, now, you may not be able to read that. So I said, well, let me zero in on what that cup actually says. And the cup at this place says this, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. Martin Luther King Jr., And I was like, this is awesome. And now, Zach, you're church famous, which he got very excited about. You know, so there he is. Zach, you're welcome. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. If you accept Christ, it's not, as we talked about last week, me and God, it's we and God. And part of being in the family of God, as being a child of God, is we get to serve. We get to be a part of this. In fact, I just want to point out for just a second how much we've already received by just being here today. I want you, we, we think as we go to different places in our society, that things just happen. But I want you to know just some of these things that have happened before you got here. There have been people praying for you all week in preparation for your coming. Volunteers, people who are part of the body. There were volunteers who came and cut the grass and cleaned the church this week in prep for you coming. 
Then there were people here early this morning, way before you, to welcome you as greeters, as childcare check-in people, and as our coffee cafe workers to serve you. In addition, there were others who came early to help run the tech, online, cameras, lighting, and sound. The worship team came an hour before our first service this morning in preparation to lead us, almost all of them are volunteers, before the presence of God to do it not only once, but four times this weekend as part of their volunteering. Right now, there are children's ministry volunteers, dozens of them, who came here early and are with your kids now simply because they want to serve. People are going to be here at the cross right after to pray for you. And this is just some of the one hour that you and I get to come and receive because of other people's serving Christ as part of the body. And we so often come in and take it for granted, not realizing that it takes all of us just for this hour. I'm not even talking about the whole rest of the week and what God is doing outside these walls, in your homes, in the community, as well as in the world. In fact, I don't want you to just hear it from me. Just go ahead and take a listen to what Michelle has to say about her brief journey as it pertains to this. Go ahead and watch the screen with me now. By nature, my love language is I love to cook. I love to feed people. I want to serve. I want to take care of you. I used to volunteer through my kids' Girl Scouts and do all that kind of stuff, but never in a church. I never had the opportunity or uh, let's be honest, you're in a comfort zone. You want to come to church. You kind of want to sit there. You want to be fed and then you want to leave. But um, it took some encouragement from some other people saying, hey, you would do a great job at this. Why don't you come and hand out some food boxes to people. I'm like, yeah, I'd love that. As things progressed out of the COVID, we opened the cafe and that's a natural progression for me. It's because I could, I can make you a coffee. I think it's important to give back to the church. I think it's important to be a part of what you're getting from the church because that is the church. You are the church. You can't have that without being involved in it. The playground opened the doors to so much, and it is amazing that the amount of people come in and utilize it during the week. We have people come in here and do visits with foster kids here. We have so many new people in the community that don't go to our church that we get to talk to and meet, and they're dumbfounded by what we have to offer that is just open to anybody. And I think having this lobby and the expansion, all of it, it made it happen, it made it real. And it was what we were looking for. It was that community feel and it isn't a door open and the kids' eyes get big and they look at that kid men back there and they're like, hey mama, why aren't we going here? I think this does break the wall. I think that the trunk or treat breaks that wall. I think that the community knows we're here and as long as we are available and open, I think they'll come. If you can show one person that there's good in the world, there is something bigger than you, you've, you've done your job. That's what we're here for. And if you've ever seen Michelle, she loves it. But she's the one that's growing. She's the one as she serves. She comes midweek and sees these kids and these different folks. She's like, wow, I get to. 
It's not a have to. I get to be a part of what God's doing in the lives of other people. Now, when you came in, uh, you should have received one of these cards. And this is a different card if you were here last week. And on the back, if you have greater eyesight than myself, uh, you'd be able to read uh, that we just wanted to put a list because people are like, I don't know where to serve. I don't know what opportunities are out there. Dan, I, I just don't know exactly where I should plug in. Well, here are some opportunities, first time opportunities to be able to be like, yeah, this would be able to help. And so you can see, you know, at the top, we've got building and grounds, landscaping, that kind of stuff, guest services, greeting cafe. You've got kids and students, like working at the indoor playground, community care. This is recovery, helping hands, local schools, office support. You can see AV tech, communications, marketing, and the list goes on and on. And so what I encourage you to do is if you're feeling like, yeah, I know that I get to, and now it's an opportunity for me to grow in my faith, when I begin to serve, because it's more greater to serve than it is to receive. And so what an opportunity to have, then I want you to take this out as you leave and go to one of the tables. And if you don't have time, just drop it off. And if you do have time, have a conversation. Because again, we want to connect people to one another as they're connecting to him. So I want to encourage you with that. I also want to let you know, because we didn't have time to put it on there. We've, we've been doing a lot of research recently because we've had a dream around here that is now going to come to fruition depending on you. And that is, uh, very shortly, within the next couple months, we want to officially start a special needs ministry, you know, here at the church. And we believe this is what God is leading and been preparing, and there's so much on the spectrum of opportunities that God is giving us, but it takes the volunteers. It takes the body to be able to do this, because oftentimes it's a one-on-one -on -one thing that needs to happen on a consistent basis so that the child can receive the love of Christ and look forward to coming to church, and the parents can have a little bit of a reprieve to be able to be and connect to God in this place and connect with other adults as well. So we're really excited about getting this started. So if you're interested in helping be a part of that, I want you to go to the Next Generation booth that's out there or see a gal named Michelle in our kids area because they've gone to different churches, done a lot of different research, and so we're very excited you know, to be able to officially get this going in the next couple months. So to contribute is to serve. It's part of this discipleship process. Secondly, and this one is harder for most American Christians, and that is to give. To honor God with your finances. Uh, in fact, um, I love this example. Uh, if you've been around children, uh, especially about that ages of three, about seven or eight, and if you've ever gone to any fast food place and gotten them french fries, all right, so here's a child with french fries, and you lean over because you didn't get french fries because obviously you were eating healthy, you got a salad, but you're like, those french fries, especially if it's McDonald's, like pretty good. So you lean over to your four-year-old and say, I want a couple of those french fries. What does the four-year-old almost always say? No, mine, my french fries. And you're sitting back going, really? Do you remember who got you those fries? They didn't just magically appear and they're just like, like sat on, like, no, get your own stinking french fries. And you're like, I could get all my french fries, but now there's going to be a teaching opportunity right here. And so you have this conversation trying to help your child understand generosity and it's good to share, you know, instead of saying no with your toys and that kind of stuff. And it's like we're wired, we're hardwired to say mine. And we're children of God and we do the same thing with him. Right? We think, well, my talents, my money, it all belongs to me, <laughs> The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That's Psalms 24, 1. It is a great reminder. 
And so God knows it isn't even about finances. He doesn't need your money. He does, he's got it all. What he wants is our heart. And he knows, especially for us as American Christians, that it's one of the top competitors of our heart is the hold of resources and our trust in resources versus our trust in him. So as we grow in our discipleship process, we get stretched when we begin to give regularly. Now, let me prove to you it's a heart issue. In Luke chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. You know, you show me where you give your money, and it's very clear, especially the discretionary side of things, what is a priority for us? We always have enough resources for the things that we love the most. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. This is what Jesus also says. Either you will hate the one or love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God, and of all things to mention, he says, and money. Because he knows this is a heart condition, and that for all people all time, this is going to be one of those barriers between God and money. The money becomes the barrier between us and God. Now, let me take it a step further. There is incredible benefit to our lives based on the generosity that we have when we give back to God a portion of what he's given us. Luke 6, 38, Jesus also says, give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. In blessing, on the other side of eternity, or oftentimes we see what God does on this side when we see financially as well. You just see it all the time. Talk to anybody who is generous and gives. We can't outgive God. He does it on a regular basis. You know, when we object, it's because we've not gone down that road of trust and faith. That's all it is. It's a discipleship issue. And that's part of this contributing, like, ooh, wait a minute, when I start giving, test him. See what happens when it comes to this. And so again, we're gonna talk more about this in November, so I don't need to go any more about this right now. But to contribute, which helps us to grow, we're given the opportunity to serve, to give, and then lastly, the third word is equip. So to equip is to recruit, equip, and release others. So now we're in the discipleship making process, others for the work of ministry. It simply means helping others find their place of service and share how giving can change their life as well in their time, talents, and treasures. Ephesians 4.11 says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility, their contribution is to equip God's people to do his work and build up his church. It's the church, the body of Christ. Everyone is a part. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that will be mature. See, there's a maturing factor that takes place when we begin to contribute our time, talents, and treasures, and we are helping others to do the same, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So if you're currently serving my challenge and encouragement to you is before we hit the end of December that you find one other person and invite them to join you. To join you in wherever you're serving. To say, yeah, that's my part is to invite. Michelle was invited. I can announce these places of serving, but you know the greatest announcement is when you invite somebody into a relationship while serving. That goes back to last week. And so there's an opportunity. Wherever God is calling, leading, equipped, and prepared you to serve, we get to have that opportunity. Right? And that's what I want to encourage you as we process that everybody is needed. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, where are you a part of the body of Christ? That's part of your growth. 
This isn't about Valley Real Life. This isn't about me. This is actually about you and God and you and other people as we recruit and equip and train other people. In fact, allow me to reinforce all that we talked about with this. Contributors for Jesus are servants of Jesus. That's just the truth. If you're a follower of Christ, it's the next step. In fact, one last lesson from Jesus that we want to learn before we leave today is I want to look at the first miracle where Jesus turns the water into wine. Now, a guy by the name of Ryan Lingbloom, who I actually saw in Nashville this last week as well, used to do this section at our DNA. He was a former pastor on staff, for those of you who are not aware of, and he did a fantastic job, so I ripped off some of the things that he did. So I wanna give you credit, Ryan. This is all you. Thank you for giving me permission. John chapter two, verse one, here's how it starts. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to Jesus, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. All right, so men in the room, if you have sisters, friends, married guys, here's what I'm gonna give you. The words from Jesus. As you're watching the game this afternoon... And that lady says, hey, can you help me wash the dishes? You can say, woman, my time has not yet come. (laughs) If they ask you to do some laundry, if they ask you to take care of the kids, you can just simply quote Jesus, woman, my hour has not yet come. Now, if you do any of that, we do have professional counseling that will be made available this next week. And we also have some funeral service coordinators that would like to meet with you as well. (laughs) You know, the sad part of me doing that is none of you going to remember any part of this message except for that. You know, that's, that's the hard part when you speak on something like that, because that's genius right there. All right. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Okay. These aren't just little things. And you can see in the picture, these are massive and they're super heavy as is. And then you're putting 20 or 30 gallons in them. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had now been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then they called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best till now? What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So what do we learn? First, hanging out with Jesus is a good time. We think of Jesus sometimes as the stuffy guy. You know, there's this like guy who walks around holy and pious and separated from Jesus is a party animal, all right? It's just awesome to see. The guy turned water into wine at a wedding feast. Awesome. Now, now don't hear what I'm not saying. Too much of anything is a bad thing. The Bible talks about drunkenness, not good. And if we get addicted to stuff, not good as well. But I'm just saying, when I grew up, my dad actually taught me, he says, well, you know, Dan, it really wasn't wine. It was just, uh, you know, high concentrated grape juice. And I was like, I went to college and I studied the word. Nope, it's alcohol, you know, just to be clear. 100%, go to Greek culture, go to the Greek word. It actually is what you think it actually says it is. Now, 
for maybe the first time that I can remember, I'm gonna say a statement here. Don't pay attention to Jesus. I want you to process through the eyes of the servants. Process through the eyes of the servants. You see, the servants, contributors, do what Jesus says as a get-to on our perspective. Not a have-to. They, they had to because they, they're the servants to be able to do it. But we, on this side, is a get-to. And if we're servants of Jesus, we get to do what he says. And so we're willing. I don't know if you're like me, but I have a calendar, and it's pretty booked. I got a to-do list, and it's pretty long. Am I willing to do what Jesus says in those appointments, or am I willing to be open-handed and say, Jesus, whatever you're asking, I'm willing to change my appointments, change my focus, and be available for you. When you speak, I want to listen. But maybe the most important part as we wrap our time up together, everyone at the wedding tasted the finished product but it was only the servants, the contributors, who got to be part of the transformation. I need you to process that for a second. Everybody tastes the finished product, and that was great. They're sitting here going, this is amazing. And yet if the servants are back here, you have no idea how amazing this is. We got to actually be a part of it. Not only did we do what Jesus said, they could have just been like, you know what, we're just gonna get the minimum. Here's some water that this guy asked us for. This is the, the Bible says they filled it to the brim. And they're watching this transformation because they got to be a part of the transformation. See, there's one thing to come and receive the transformation from God. And it's great that you're here and you get to receive and be blessed. And that is part of the discipleship process. But it's a whole other level when you start contributing. When you start giving, you start growing because you got to be a part of the transformation. You got to see the kid make the, make, the, make the difference in the kid's area. You got to see the light on somebody's eyes light up when they got greeted for the first time all week. You got to be backstage and watch somebody get into the water. Your friend was one of those people that got in the water because you decided to say, you know what? Jesus did this for me. I get to do this for him. And because I get to do this, I get to be part of the transformation. That's as exciting. And so as followers of Christ, if that's what you are, you are called to contribute. Not because you have to, but because we get to, because he served us first. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today, for the opportunity to contribute time, talents, treasures, to serve, to give, to equip. I pray, Father, you would just lead us right now, guide us in what that looks like in our lives in our church, in our homes, in our offices, and in our world. Thank you for the opportunities that you present. May we be open-handed right now in our hearts and minds. Father, may you speak to us. We are listening. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's all Jesus is asking. Are you available? If Jesus were to call... And if you're here today and he's put something on your heart, and if your first response is, I don't have time, or I don't have enough, or I'm not gifted or wired for, Jesus says, but are you available? Are you available? And allow me to do the work in you. Allow me to do the transforming work through you. And trust me. Trust me. 
that this is what I've called you, this is what I've gifted you, and this is your opportunity to be a part of my body, the body of Christ. Will you stand with me as we sing the song of commitment together?